And good morning, Memphis. Welcome to the morning show on this very busy, busy morning. Hope you guys all had a great and fantastic weekend. I certainly did, though it was not short of drama and busy. There is a city in this union and this country that always gives. And I say this all the time about the, the Bluff City. I love it, but I hate it. I hate that we are the way we are sometimes with all of this crime. But as a news guy, it is the best city in America because every single day there is something else happening. And I mean, let's talk about Sunday. I mean, you guys probably got those alerts on your phone. I kept on getting messages. What are these alerts about? What's going on? Well, it was a series of shootings across the city of Memphis, and we have more on that new developments this morning. It's an unbelievable story and a preventable one, but that is all too often the case here in Shelby County. Now, who was coming on the show today? Glad you asked. Steve Gill coming up at 735 because it is Monday. At 750, we'll be talking to one of the Pew brothers with Pew's Flowers. How fun would that be? Of course, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Are you guys ready? Michael Pugh will be dropping by the show. Then at 8.35, State Senator Brent Taylor is going to be phoning in. He's on his way to Nashville. He's, he's pretty fired up like most Memphians and Shelby Countyans are when they found out that there was a violent sp- crime spree shooter on the loose yesterday. We had no idea if he was going to stop in our neighborhood. And then turns out he was released on a bond that was very, very low that was set by a judicial Commissioner, and despite what the district attorney in Memphis, Shelby County DA Steve Mulroy would have you believe, because he always says, this is not our fault. We bear no responsibility. It is the judicial commissioners and sometimes the judge. No, the district attorney has a lot of say in recommending whether that perpetrator had his bond or her bond revoked or lowered then released out onto the streets. That is gaslighting. So State Senator Brent Taylor really upset about this, as all of you guys probably are. So let me give you the latest of events, Um, because this started yesterday at 1030 when there was a carjacking in the North Memphis area. Um, And as I said, 1030 in the morning, you have this 20-year-old. That's all we know about this violent suspect was that he jumped in a car that he stole then he went throughout the community of memphis and started shooting people first one shelby drive in a blue nissan maxima now the family of that shooting victim the victim's family has spoken out it was an 18 year old young guy by the name of fieres He was an employee of a smoke and vape shop, again, on East Shelby Drive. He had just pulled up. He was getting ready to work. That is when this 20-year-old monster pulled up with a long gun and shot him. That did not stop this violent offender. He then went to a second shooting at 3539 Pilot Drive, where he left no victims. I guess he only fired some shots, this according to MPD. Then a third shooting was at 3575 Commerce Circle, left three injured victims. And then we got a weird notice from MPD that a male juvenile had a dog bite injury. And it was all part of this investigation, part of this spree. Then the last shooting left one woman in non-critical condition. Another female victim is in critical condition. 
Again, the Memphis Police Department not releasing anything about this suspect as far as his name. We just know that it is a male. What they did release in this press release by the MPD, which I find very interesting, was this 20-year-old's violent history. And I think they did this on purpose, so I can read down through this statement by MPD. C.J. Davis said, my heart aches for the victims' families, those affected by the senseless acts of violence. Through the hard work and swift action of those Memphis police officers, and additional incidents were undoubtedly prevented. Then they go through at the very end of the press release, and this is all on our website and our Stop Memphis Crime page. They say that the 20-year-old was out of jail on a bond of $100,000, meaning he would have to just put up only $10,000? What? That's insanity. For not just stealing some jerky from the gas station up the street, not for maybe carjacking grandma at the Kroger bar. No, he had been picked up for first degree murder and criminal attempt, especially uh, especially aggravated robbery. So that is very violent robbery would be the word aggravated. So this guy was out onto the streets. This is very common. I, I, like, I'm not even shocked about this at this point. But what makes me very frustrated is we have been told by our district attorney, by Judge Anderson, the crooked judge that just was reprimanded. Thank God for Brent Taylor sending out that later letter. And Judge Bill Anderson, he oversees the bail system in Shelby County. Now, they will always punt the football and say that this is the Shelby County Judicial Commissioners that are releasing these violent offenders back out onto the streets. Well, in some cases, that is correct. But when you have the main guy that oversees all of these Judicial Commissioners being Bill Anderson, and here is his take on the bail system, we should not be shocked that this 20-year-old was out on the streets yesterday shooting up the city of Memphis. Cut 18. I detest the bail bond system in Shelby County. They don't sit in the courtroom. They don't monitor anything. They don't do anything but collect money from poor people. So you heard that. He hates the bail system. So when you have a guy over the bail system that hates it, this is inevitable that this 20-year-old would not be in jail, potentially serving some time for helping assist in a first-degree murder but no, is out just like you and I, instead of going to church, though, he was shooting up 18-year-olds and women because we hate the bail system here in Shelby County, and it's problematic for a couple different reasons, but it all goes down and back to race. Everything with this city is race. Um, you heard that they say it just goes after poor people. Well, they always, and when I say they, that is progressives, they always make the link that black people are poor people and we have a minority or majority minority city here so that is the overwhelming majority of these people that end up in the criminal court system therefore these bond bell companies discriminate along the lines of race along the lines of white and black defendants so again to right the wrong of systemic racism we must abolish this We aren't going to look at that defendant. We're not going to recognize whether he is or is not a threat to community. What we want to know is the pigment of his skin color. 
because if he is a black defendant, well, to right the wrong of slavery, we will release that defendant back out onto the streets. Mind you, don't care about the black victims of crime. Uh, We don't talk about them. We're just talking about the disparate impact in our criminal court system. Judge Anderson also went on to say when they release these young people typically on their own recognizance, that should be the first go-to. And you should never worry about whether they are a threat to community. No, 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 no. You want to know their race and you want to know their financial status. Forget about everything else. Judge Anderson, 21. Recognizance release should be your first consideration, period, on every charge with the exception of capital offenses. Every charge. If they fit the criteria, then yes, we are required by law to set recognizance release. 13, length of time in the community, prior record, threat to the community, threat of, uh, not a failure to appear is the big one. That's the main one. Uh, threat to the community is, is, it's in there, but it's so hard, it's, it's so hard to ascertain. You know, every, every crime can be, pr- proposes a, poses a threat to the community. Mm, how difficult. It's really difficult for our judicial commissioners and me as the overseer of the bond system here in Shelby County to determine whether a defendant could potentially kill someone else. Well, actually, it's not that difficult um, because all you have to do is look at that defendant's criminal record, like in the case of this 20-year-old that went wild yesterday. All you had to do is open his little history book, his journal, and realize this guy is capable of murder, which is exactly what he did yesterday. Now, credit to WREG because they ran this big old piece and they do these investigative reports and I find them fascinating. Sometimes I agree with them. Sometimes I think they are false and fake reporting. But there was a reporter, Jessica Gertler, and she took a deep dive into the new bell system here in Shelby County. And the headline of the piece is, some say the bell system is broken. Here's what we found. So she starts the piece by talking to a victim of crime. It was a young lady that was carjacked. She was at a gas station in Fraser. She sees a man with a gun, her kids in the back of the car. He comes up with a long gun, points it at her, her daughter's face. Unbelievable. And takes her car. So she's very scared for the next couple of months until she finds out that Memphis police made a break in the case. They arrested this perpetrator, guy by the name of Malik Pilgrim. So she was relieved until she wasn't when she found out that Malik had pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of attempted carjacking and ended up back out onto the streets receiving only eight years of probation with conditions like job training, random drug screenings. He had to do 300 hours of community service until we ended up at Butts Buster's Liquors, where he was one of the main perpetrators in a smash and grab over there. He was picked up again. Then he was released again. So this is back and forth. And all of this, as WREG points out, is uh, the, 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 the Pilgrim's case, this Malik kid, went through a new bail system in Shelby County. And they break down why we're seeing more and more of this. And I want you to take a listen to the process here in Cut 17. See, Pegram's cases went through a new system. Last year, Shelby County launched a bail hearing room within 201 Poplar to ensure defendants get a hearing within 72 hours of the arrest. It also allowed their financial situation to factor in to prevent defendants from getting stuck in jail simply because they're poor. 
A defendant would be released on their own recognizance, meaning released without paying anything, when there's no compelling evidence that they're a flight risk or a public safety threat. To make it work, pretrial services would interview each defendant, relying on their answers and background checks. Their findings handed over to the judicial commissioner, appointed by the county commission, who would then set the amount. General Sessions Judge Bill Anderson oversees the judicial commissioners. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's your problem, right? We just played the audio. It's not rocket science, people. He hates the bell system. And that is the new world that we're living under, this new cashless bow system that will no longer discriminate against black people. Meanwhile, you have black people being shot in the city yesterday. But again, we don't talk about that. And I think the Memphis Police Department did what they did intentionally by kind of recusing themselves from this violent shooting spree across the city by slipping in there at the end of the press release in the bottom of the paragraph. We've picked up this guy before and the criminal court system released him back out onto the streets. We spent your tax dollars yesterday looking for him again and we caught him. We will send him back to 201 Poplar and it's now up to you guys. Felt like they were like washing their hands, recusing themselves. This isn't on us. And I do have to say there is something to the tireless work that our law enforcement do. I mean, think how unbelievably frustrating and tiring it would be to re-arrest the same people. It is the definition of insanity. Only this insanity is deadly. All right. Want to hear from you guys this morning. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. More on the other side. Don't go away. Traffic now on the Mighty 990 KWAM, brought to you by Special Things Antiques and Estate Jewelry. Oh, never mind, never mind. And welcome back to the morning show. Gotta give a big old shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs winning yesterday's big Super Bowl 58. The Chiefs toppling the San Francisco 49ers in Vegas 25-22 to to become the first team in 19 seasons to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Now, I watched the highlights because, frankly, I was more upset about the criminal court system. It's consuming me because it's, it's where I live and I don't want to die here. I mean, I, I would die here of natural causes. It's not to say that I don't enjoy and I would spend the rest of my days here in the Mid-South. And I just don't want to be shot while I'm on a run downtown. So again, I was more concerned about this violent offender than I was Taylor Swift making love with Travis Kelsey on the football field after the big game. So I want to hear from you guys because we have a couple different angles we can take this segment. First of all, a lot of people are saying it was a really boring game. It wasn't until it wasn't, right, Dylan Dandridge over there who actually watched the game, right? Like, I was like, where are the touchdowns? This is getting old. It started slow. And then we came back after the halftime show, which I have thoughts on, and it picked up a little bit. Yeah, it did. Very uh, defensive game at first, and uh, uh, Kansas City was down uh, by the second half. They started to make a little comeback, so... Very boring at first. Can we talk about the body slam, the body check of the coach? Because this was really 
what went viral probably more than anything else. And it's when Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, pumbled the coach, Andy Reid. Yeah. Now, he got a lot of pushback and blowback for this moment. Um, and we have both sides on this. We have the coach that was talking after the game that said, yeah, no, 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 no. It was just really emotional. It was in the moment. There was what a report that they were going to sideline him. Was that why he got so upset? Do we know exactly why? Yeah. So the play in, that he even got upset about was they were on the on a track possibly to score, and he was taken out of the play. He was taken out of the game for this specific play, and this play just happened to be the play that the the, the running back fumbled the ball, and and the and the Forty Niners recovered it. And he just had a really heated moment. And I don't know. <laughs> so the guy standing, I mean, this coach is an older guy. He's a bigger boy. Uh-huh. And the next thing you know, you have Travis Kelsey running up to him. He puts his hands on Andy Reid. And I think because he just ran up there and he forgot to stomp, he kind of took the coach by surprise and then kind of pushed the, the coach. He gets in his face and he's and super screaming. red and he's screaming. You know, keep talking because I have a story in my stack where the Daily Mail now ran a big piece. Is this a red flag for Taylor Swift? Right? <laughs> if 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 Travis Kelsey is going to do this in front of millions and millions of people on CBS watching the Super Bowl, what does he do to his girlfriends behind closed doors? Well, talk. You have to think about it because any other player in the NFL, or, or not even in the NFL, in college, if you do that to your coach, your head coach, how disrespectful is it as a player? Not even that, as a person, to disrespect <sighs> someone like that. And in going off of that, yeah, Taylor Swift definitely saw that moment. She's like up there drinking. She's chugging her, her tequila soda up there, and she's probably saw her boyfriend just one side of him she hasn't seen yet yeah i don't know this this was not Here's, a good look here let's play the coach here is andy reed in the post game interview on a panel take a listen to this we'll come back and talk about it here in was travis giving that speech on the sideline when he ran into you oh, in the yeah. first half no he, <laughs> he keeps me young yeah <laughs> So, the balance look good. Yeah, not so good. Tested that hip out. You know? Yeah, I know. Like JB's so, got a new hip too. Yeah, man. You, you, you took a good hit right there, but, but that's how you guys communicate sometimes. Like he caught me off balance. So normally I'd give him a little bit, but you know, <laughs> I didn't have any feet under me. Uh, hey, before, before I go to. All right. So I think if they wouldn't have won the game yesterday, it would have been a totally different story, right? But because the Kansas City Chiefs they won. Super Bowl number two, back to back. You know, it's all fun and games. I'm glad he has a good attitude about this, but <laughs> any other coach, I'm telling you, this is not a normal thing. Players don't act this way around their coaches. They get fined or they get sidelined, and you're not playing anymore. So I'll throw it out to everybody out there that saw the play. It's on our our Facebook and our Twitter. I'm so used to calling it Twitter. It's X now. Um, do you think this is a red flag? For him personally, but also his girlfriend, Taylor Swift. Um, Okay, so on the other side, we're going to talk about Congressman Cohen, Steve Cohen, because he's a moron. Because you have the Black National Anthem. We have a little bit of that. We're going to play that on the other side. But you've got the congressman coming out 
Again, mind you, in his district, there was a crime spree shooting where four of his constituents were shot. One of them died. And here's what his take on the Super Bowl was. This was his tweet. Very, very few stood at Super Bowl for lift every voice and sing. The And I cannot actually say the word. We'll have to say the N-word. National Anthem. He actually goes there. This is her congressman. A white dude who is Jewish. Not a pretty picture of the Super Bowl crowd. So he got a lot of play off this tweet. I want to know, first of all, who's in control of his X account? Because it was just such a far out there stretch and a place to take it because immediately it became like one of the trending stories and he doubled down on it because a lot of people are saying no congressman kfc chicken dude whatever your name is cohen we are one country and we are not divided on race this is not the 60s this is not two centuries ago This is the United States of America, not the divided States of America. And you being so upset because a couple people sat there for the quote-unquote Black National Anthem, which does not exist. It is called the Lift Every Voice and Sing song. Actually, was probably the silver lining of the Super Bowl. Uh, No one stood for it because it's not our National Anthem. And by the way, Congressman, you can't say that word anymore. Like, this is insane. We'll have the story on the other side. But I want to hear from all of you. Your takes on the Super Bowl yesterday. Um, biggest winners, biggest losers. And as Travis Kelsey, a threat to Taylor Swift. More on the other Welcome back to the morning show, everyone. That is, according to progressives in the country of America, our new national anthem that was performed by Andra Day, that is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Or if you're Steve Cohen, that is called the, I can't say the word, but the N-word national anthem, right? Because he is a racist. Here to break down last night's big games, winners and losers, our good friend who is absolutely a winner, political contributor Steve Gill. Steve, welcome to the show. What was your first takeaway from last night's Super Bowl? Curious to hear your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm just disappointed that there was no Pride National Anthem, no Hispanic National Anthem, no um, <laughs> Caucasian National Anthem. I mean, if we're going to promote uh, you know, diversity, why, why did we only have one separate National Anthem? And, and if we're going to promote diversity, I thought the halftime show was, like, all black all the time. So, I mean, again, we're, the, the left screams diversity until they want to, you know, kind of push their own agenda. Uh, one of the big losers last night was whoever was in charge of Usher's mic, uh, because <laughs> his uh, singing was going in and out, whoever was supposed to auto-tune his voice. And Usher's a great talent, but, man, he did not sound like it last night. Uh, the other one that I think was a uh, a big winner last night was whoever the cameraman 
was who was supposed to be constantly trained on Taylor Swift so that any reaction, her gaping wide open mouth, her vacuous looks of, I'm not sure what's going on here, um, that, that that cameraman deserves an Emmy just for being able to keep his uh, camera trained on her constantly throughout the game. Okay, so that's interesting you mentioned that. I think public sentiment, Steve, was that this was a rather boring Super Bowl, right? There wasn't many touchdowns until after the halftime show. Usher, you know, they're saying that it was the halftime Super Bowl show for millennials. I kind of get that, right? You had Ludacris up there, all of them. The ads this year were rather boring. Whatever happened to a good Super Bowl ad? One that maybe pushes the envelope a little bit, makes you feel uncomfortable. Maybe the only one that made all of us uncomfortable was the foot washing one. Did you see this one? It yeah, was that, that was disgusting and shows the lack of theological knowledge um, that, uh, <laughs> that the left has. Steve, let me it's jump in here and explain it real quick, and then I want to yeah. get your response. So this organization called He Gets Us and he would be referring to Jesus, launched a Super Bowl ad, and it depicted Christians washing the feet of very diverse individuals, shall I say, including a woman killing her baby at an abortion clinic. Again, Jesus washing the feet of that woman. An alcoholic, an environmental activist, an undocumented immigrant, a participant resembling a Black Lives Matter protester. You've got a gay man and more. So they took out, what, $7 million to run this ad. But for a lot of people that may not be familiar with what that actually resembles and the symbolism of a foot washing ceremony, it comes across as just a weird foot thing. So can you break it down? Um, because a lot of people are saying this was a smack in the face to a lot of Christians watching the Super Bowl last night. Yeah, you know, again, pe- people forget, you know, that Jesus did not tell the, the prostitute at the well, um, you know, go back to what you're doing. It was go and sin no more. Uh, you know, he was he was advocating people to change their lives, not embracing their sin. And I think that what that ad implies is that, you know, he embraces sinful behavior or um, secondary behavior in, in a way that's not biblical. Uh, you know, the, the uh, fact is that Jesus was the Son of God, and uh, there were, you know, instances where his feet would be washed, and, and sometimes with expensive perfume, uh, because he was the Son of God. And on one occasion, I think he washed the feet of his disciples to kind of reverse that trend. But again, he wasn't out washing the feet of, of sinners and, and encouraging them to continue their, their sinful behavior. So that. That was uh, one of the more ridiculous ads. I like the one with the two little uh, little boys playing pickleball. <laughs> uh, that was, I think, it was for E Trade. Um, the interesting thing I noted last night is how many of the ads had gratuitous celebrities throw in, thrown in for no particular reason. It's like the, the the amount of money that celebrities must have been paid for just very brief cameo appearances in ads was uh, was interesting. Um, I thought the uh, the ones where um, Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't pronounce his ahs was uh, was an interesting one. The Dunkin' Donuts one was silly with the... Um, yeah, Jennifer Lopez, that, that. Ben Affleck. Um, the yeah. RFK Jr. one was pretty impressive. Did you see that one? I cannot imagine the family of, of the Kennedy family were too happy that he took out a $7 million Super Bowl ad to pitch his campaign. But a lot of people liked it, Steve. It was nostalgic. We have it here in Cut 9. Kennedy, 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 Kenned
want a man for president who's seasoned through and through. A man who's old enough to know and young enough to do. Well, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's strictly up to you. American Value 2024 is responsible for the contents of this advertisement. So, Steve, I guess it worked. His Google searches went through the roof last night after that campaign video. Will it be enough for the independent to get across the finish line? I don't know. It, it drew attention, which was his purpose. Um, it was interesting that you have a uh, an ad uh, that is a historical throwback when you've got the two leading candidates, that Democrat and Republican, in their 80s. Uh, and, and Kennedy is the youthful guy at 70. Uh, so, I mean, again, I think that ad was great if you were over 70 and remember JFK. Right. Um, I, I'm not sure it really cuts other than drawing some attention, and that's a pretty extensive attention draw. But any, you know, any ad in the Super Bowl is, is to draw eyeballs by the, by the tens and hundreds of millions. I, I would say that the, uh, the, the other irony of that one is that the pack that aired the ad is the one that's now under investigation uh, for mishandling the money that they have and whether or not they have properly oh, no. handled their uh, their pack requirements. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, kind of layers yeah. to, to peel in that one. Uh, you know, I thought the game was not boring. I mean, it was a close game that came into overtime and, and came down to some, you know, final dramatic plays. Um, but it, it didn't have the uh, the scoring that people tend to like or that you would have expected from from these teams. I was disappointed that the uh, 49ers didn't win because Juwan Jennings, the, the former Tennessee star, former Murfreesboro uh, star, I think deserved the MVP if the uh, if the 49ers had won. I mean, he threw a touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass, made incredible plays, and uh, I was uh, I was disappointed that they didn't win because I thought he would have deserved the uh, the MVP award. Speaking of the leading candidates in the 2024 race to the White House. A new ABC News poll conducted in the days after the big scathing special counsel report that basically said President Biden committed crimes, but because he's a sweet old dude, we cannot actually bring him before a jury. Uh, So the poll found that 86%, 86% of Americans, Steve, believe he's too old to be our next president. That's insane. So the Sunday shows, of course, they pick up the story and they sent all of the surrogates out for President Biden and the Biden administration. So you've got one of his press guys, guy by the name of Mitch Landrieu, refuting this claim that Biden is mentally incompetent. And everybody knows that he is. Take a listen. Cut five. And I'm telling you, this guy's tough. He's smart. He's on his game. And as Secretary Mallorca said a minute ago, when you go in to brief the president, you got to you better have your big boy pants on. And and this kind of sense that he's not ready for this job is just a bucket of BS that's so Un- deep. Your boots will get stuck in. Yeah, uh, understood. But, but Americans don't agree with what you're saying. In fact, our NBC News poll found that 76 percent of voters are concerned about whether the president has the necessary mental and physical health to be president for a second term and then you heard dhs secretary um alejandro mayorkas be invoked there and here's what he had to say just a couple minutes before that on face the nation here in cut four we'll get you to respond then made gratuitous unnecessary and inaccurate personal remarks and those are improper the most difficult part about a meeting with president biden is preparing for it because he is sharp intensely probing and detail-oriented and focused. 
All right, Steve, I'll let you have the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Mayorkas, the guy who lies uh, to Congress under oath, uh, commits perjury repeatedly uh, with impunity, saying anything that anybody should take as the truth is laughable. Uh, you know, I don't know why it's hard to prepare for a meeting with uh, President Biden. Just ask him to send you copies of his note cards because he's not going to be able to say or think anything that's <laughs> not on his little three-by-five card. Uh, the idea that this guy is sharp and, and on top of his game is is ridiculous. And, and the fact that these people are willing to go out and, and commit their Baghdad Bob moments. Remember that guy in, in uh, Iraq who claimed their Americans were not near Baghdad while the tanks were literally rolling behind him in the visuals. Uh, these people are willing to lie and say anything, and I think it's, it undercuts how weak he is. If I'm the prosecutor, her, H-U-R, uh, which makes me wonder what are his pronouns, him, her, her. It, it gets confusing when they talk about her all the time. Um, this guy ought to say, fine, you, you have convinced me. Uh, we were going to give him a pass and not indict him and his his workers for mishandling these documents. But now you've convinced me. Everybody says he's sharp as a tack. Then, okay, fine, we'll indict him. You know, you've convinced me. Yeah. You know, he, he gives the guy a pass because he's mentally incompetent, which is ridiculous. And certainly all the staffers that were moving these documents around that they had no authority to see or have access to. It, it shouldn't just have been prosecuting Biden. He ought to be prosecuting the staff members who were moving these documents for which, as a senator and a vice president, he had no authority to remove yeah. uh, from the skiff. Uh, prosecute them, but the prosecutor needs to say, fine, okay, guys, you've convinced me. He's sharp as a tack. We're going to indict him. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. And um, on that note, we're going to have to leave it there. But I could go on with you because I thought your analysis was spot on with your legal background on it. So, Steve, guys, follow him on X at The Gill Report. We'll get you back on Thursday and pick up the conversation. All right. Thanks, my friend. Talk to you later. All right. More on the other side with Michael Pugh with Pugh's Flowers. Valentine's Day right around the corner. And they are your go-to flower shop for love. We'll have that conversation on the other side. Don't go away. Here's a statistic. A study was just done on women and how they perceive flowers. A whopping 92% of women remember the last time they received flowers, and 88% said a gift of flowers enhances their mood. 83% said they like to receive flowers unexpectedly. 86% said receiving flowers makes them feel special. So with that being said, let's welcome onto the program the only flower people in this area, and that is Pew's Flowers. We've got Michael Pugh on the phone line. Michael, welcome to the morning show. Stats probably not shocking you. No, good morning. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Now, you heard the stat. Women still love flowers. It doesn't matter what day, what age we're living in. They all love them. But I am curious, when you when you break down just the over-the-counter sales, what is the number one go-to flower, especially around this time of the year, Valentine's Day? Red roses. Red roses. Been tradition, and the tradition continues. Uh, latest stats we have are that about 83% of the people this week will buy roses. And of that, 65% will be red. Mm, yeah, they're, they're classy. They're romantic. You know, you can get crazy with some floral arrangements, and they're beautiful. But there's something about Valentine's Day 
the box of chocolate, the flowers that kind of work together, and it has for years. Now, speaking of years, you guys, this is interesting because I was doing some reading into the family business before we jumped on air this morning. Back in 1976, do I have that right, Michael? Your dad yep. started this with his partner, and it blew up after that. Yeah, he uh, he actually worked at a flower shop in high school and college, and he was, believe it or not, a banker and got tired of the banking industry and bought a small business in Memphis in 1976. And uh, I think I was about 12 at that time, maybe. Wow. Uh, and he passed away 10 years later. And when he passed away, my brothers and my mother and I bought out the other partner and uh, changed the name to Pew's Flowers. Uh, we have to give a shout out to John Malmo of Archer Malmo Advertising because he came up with the little skunk logo that it's has amazing. <laughs> it's brilliant. Very well. So, so, so now you have multiple locations though. And based in Memphis, Jackson, do I understand Nashville as well? No, that's our lawn care side. Our flower shop is just located here in Memphis and South Haven. Okay. We have four, four retail flower locations, uh, South Haven, Midtown, uh, East Memphis, and Bartlett. And then our lawn care side, we actually operate branches in Little Rock and Nashville besides Memphis. So what is it about the service of gifting people flowers that puts a smile on your face. Obviously, we talk about what happens when guy gets girl red roses or orchids. But for you guys, it's a family business. I've been in there. You guys are incredibly credible and lovely, but you're having fun doing it. So what's the takeaway for you guys behind the counter? Well, I'll give you a prime example. Um, gosh, I can't keep track of what day it is, but I guess it was Friday. I was... Uh, working on some computers at our store on Poplar Avenue, and a man and his little girl came in to buy flowers for uh, his wife and the child's mom. And just the little girl being in the flower shop, she was, I think, six years old, and just the look on her face and looking at all the flowers in the refrigerator, and then uh, we gave her a balloon just because she had to wait. They had to wait for about five minutes till we got the flowers ready or ten minutes. So just the, the, the little girl's expression of mm. they took the flowers out, and they were going to deliver them to uh, the mom themselves and the wife, and just that little girl's expression of seeing the flowers in the refrigerator and how her eyes lit up, that, that wow. made it all worthwhile for me, just watching that little six-year-old girl just be mesmerized. Wow. That's super. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. My mom wanted me to ask you this. So, Michael, this is coming from my mom, Jennifer. She says, what is the best way to keep my Valentine's Day flowers looking fresh? Do you have any tips? I mean, what are we talking? You Oh, the best tip is make sure to keep the water fresh. Okay. Dump the water out and change the water. That That's the number one thing that you can do with, with cut flowers of any type, whether you get them anywhere, is make sure the water stays fresh. Uh, when you get them, it's especially if you get them at, at home, I mean, at the office and take them home, make sure to, to change the water the next morning. And that's the, that's the main secret. Uh, and if you're semi-creative or want to, the other best thing to do is just 
take the flowers out of the vase all at one time and kind of give the bottoms a little trim with a pair of scissors. Uh-huh. Uh, and that keeps the water flowing up to the blooms and keeps them fresher. But the main thing is is changing the water and making sure that the flowers have water. Okay, so the little flower nutrient packet, I remember I was tasked with keeping my mom's flowers fresh once when she was on a weekend date with my dad. And I just, I think I overkilled the little powder stuff because I thought if I put more of this in, surely they last only longer. That wasn't the case, Michael. (laughs) No, and most of the time we we prehydrate the flowers before we put them in the vase and then all our vases have that solution already in it. Okay, cool. So unless you're going to be really, really careful with what you're doing, uh, that's really not a necessary step. I mean, it, it can help, but we pre-treat all our flowers in a, in that same solution before, before they're put into the vase or the basket. And then we, the water we use when we put them out for delivery or when you take them away has that solution already in it. Okay. All right. Good step. All right. So I want you to speak to all the guys out there that have not yet purchased anything (laughs) for the girls out there. Maybe they're thinking, I'll run over to Walmart real quick and get a quick card, but then they're panicked because they love the lady in their life. You guys have what same day delivery? You goes you go right up until the deadline is over, Michael. Yes, but I strongly suggest that if you want the flowers delivered to an office especially or somewhere where people get off at, you know, four o'clock or something, have them delivered on Tuesday the day before. That way they can enjoy them all day on Wednesday. If you wait till Wednesday and call you're taking a chance because mm. <laughs> we've got 125 delivery people showing up wow. on Wednesday morning. And uh, so if you if you want to do it on Wednesday, I suggest you come by one of our four stores, pick it up, take it yourself. If you want it delivered, uh, try to call us today or tom- uh, for today or tomorrow's delivery. All right, kids. Good stuff. All right, Michael, we're going to have to leave it there. Our website is pu- – or your website, excuse me – all over the place, pews.com. Pews.com is the website. And again, four different locations. You look at the arrangements. Oh my gosh. 12 long stem red roses, half dozen red roses, all of these different arrangements. Michael, they are beautiful. And thank you for being the go-to flower shop for love. We appreciate the partnership and all the work you do. Thank you. We really appreciate the partnership as well. All right. Good stuff. All right, guys. Valentine's Day right around the corner. I don't want you to wait until the last minute. That's not going to work for you. If you're trying to get out of the doghouse, this is how you do it. Go over to Pews.com or go to one of their four locations. You can find all of that information on their website, Pews.com. We'll be right back. President Biden is joining TikTok and the Memphis Shelby County School Board has a new superintendent. Welcome back to the morning show, everyone. But before we get into your top stories this hour, do want to give you an update on traffic. Center lane blocked on I-240 Midtown, those northbound lanes south of Lamar Avenue. You've got the right shoulder blocked as well. Looking at our traffic cameras this morning, does look like a, a car in the middle lane fender bender of some sort you've got emergency vehicles on scene and they are trying to get that car out of the center of again i-240 midtown north northbound south of lamar avenue but that is unfolding commander chuck just gave you an update he'll give you another one in about 10 minutes and i'll be following it as well outside of that things aren't looking 
terrible. Um, so good news for your Monday. So President Biden will be joining TikTok because even though recently he came out and he said any company that has a governmental agency in this country and employees of the government, you need to detach yourself from this Chinese-owned company. And we've seen this, and it's been pretty bipartisan. Republicans and Democrats say that China China is using TikTok, and they are using it for propaganda. They decide America's algorithm, and that is very dangerous. But he's speaking outside both of his mouth, both sides of his mouth, because on one hand, while he wants governmental employees to not have devices that have the TikTok app downloaded onto them, he himself is going to be getting on TikTok. Do we really think President Joe Biden is going to be making TikTok videos? No. But his team around him is going to set up the guy, put him in the wheelchair. Yeah, you know, we're just going to you know. That's what they have to do because this guy is literally a walking bag of bones. And that does not make me feel good this morning. I respect the president, but I don't respect what they're doing to him because that is elder abuse. So save your outrage. I respect the office of the president, but I don't respect what the Democrat Party is doing using this bag of bones as a Trojan horse to thwart their progressive ideologies. I can imagine what it's going to sound like because they've been very present on X, formerly known as Twitter. Yesterday for the Super Bowl, they released this. This was not a $7 million Super Bowl ad. This was them just trying to get their message to the American people. I want you to take a listen to this in cut number six. The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Now. So, first of all, that actually could be a campaign video against you. It's not shrinkflation, Mr. President. It is inflation, which has steadily risen under your administration, you moron. Secondly, the whole thing with the ice cream. What is it about this guy and his ice cream? Uh, give the guy a tub of ice cream and send him to bed. There's no way he stayed. Do we re- Dylan, do you think President Biden made it to the Usher halftime show? I doubt it. I, I really doubt it. Probably watched online. Maybe, maybe. But here's the thing. He did have a statement following the Super Bowl game. Not sure if you saw this. This is coming from his official Joe President account. Joe Biden president account on X and it's the dark Brandon image you know the one after he gave that really scary remark this was in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia when he came out there and he demeaned 50% of the country and said that anybody that ever votes for a Republican is a threat to democracy and I am not your president again this is Mr. Uniter in chief don't forget that anyhow so there's been a lot of conspiracy theories that Taylor Swift 
dated Travis Kelsey, that Travis Kelsey and the the Chiefs were going to end up in the Super Bowl. And despite how they played last night, they were going to be the ultimate victors at this football game because Taylor Swift is going to then come out and endorse President Biden. And this is going to help him get past the threshold to be the next president of the United States. Are you following that? Yes. Okay, thank you. So he tweets out yesterday, like like late, late after the game. And he says with the photo, just like we drew it up. Again, mocking all of the right wing media that has been out there saying that this was called before the Kansas City Chiefs even made it to the Super Bowl. That somehow the world just would have it that Taylor Swift would be dating Travis Kelsey, the star. Can I just say, we've got to pipe down as conservatives. <laughs> I am a conservative. And I don't like when we see these celebrities like Taylor Swift get political. But they have for years. This is not the first time Taylor Swift has been political. But to believe that she is a psyop for the Pentagon to get President Biden elected is ridiculous to me. Uh, And I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that. Because do you think that they are not going to try to use Taylor Swift and her massive, massive following to not get President Biden reelected? Of course they are. That's not a conspiracy. But to suggest that somehow the Kansas City Chiefs won last night... Because she's going to be stumping with the president on, and I guess he's going to join the Aris tour, is a little bit crazy to me. But speaking of politics and the Super Bowl, President Trump ran a Super Bowl ad going after his contest contender. That would be former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. And, and we have the audio. Take a listen to this. Prove the fact that Donald Trump says I want to cut Social Security or raise the age. I've never said that. There's the red challenge hat. Trump's challenging Haley's statement. Haley's claim she didn't call for raising the age of Social Security is under review. Tony, here's exactly what the official is looking at. Social Security, Medicare, how would you manage the entitlements? We say the rules have changed. What we do know is 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that. 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that. Let's take a look at another angle. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. I think the call is pretty clear, but let's go down to the field and see what official Gene Tooney has to say. After review, Nikki Haley clearly said she plans to change the rules and raise the age of Social Security. This results in cutting benefits for 82% of Americans. Bob, that was a rookie mistake by Haley. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. All right, so it was effective until it wasn't because then President Trump held a massive campaign rally in South Carolina on Saturday. I'm not sure if you guys saw the images. We have some. Go to ToddStarns.com. You can check out how massive. I believe the reporting was that there were 10,000 people trying to see the former president of the United States. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley, and that is her home state that she was the two-time governor of, was struggling to get 15 people in an arena. It wasn't an arena. It was a coffee shop. She's doing terrible. And again, the message from the Nikki, the Nikki Haley campaign is and continues to be, we are going all the way until the end. Super Tuesday is going to be where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is... Every one of those states, 
um, which includes ours, has President Trump up 50, 60, 70 percent in every one of those states. Her best shot is South Carolina, and she's trailing the president by over 40 points. It's that bad. So she sees a moment after President Trump said this at a South Carolina campaign rally. Take a listen. Cut one. I want to ask you about another comment that Donald Trump made that was personal. Uh, I guess about your husband, Major Michael Haley, who is currently deployed with the South Carolina National Guard. Trump said this about you. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. I know you said this is disqualifying, but during his first presidential uh, campaign, Donald Trump mocked former POW John McCain and a Gold Star family. He was still elected. You agreed to work for him. Why do you think that's disqualifying now? Well, I agreed to serve our country, and I'm proud that I got to serve our country. Um, there's, there's nothing, um, no more higher honor than to serve um, the people of this country. But what I can tell you is, look, it's just... It's insulting to military members. It's insulting to military families. And the part that bothers me is he continues to do this. This isn't personal about me and Michael. This is about what it says to every member who sacrifices for us. This is about what it says to every military family who sacrifices alongside of them. We can't have someone who sits there and mocks our men and women who are trying to protect America. It's a pattern. It's a pattern of chaos. It's a pattern of irresponsibility. It's a pattern of just saying things that are that are not helpful in strengthening America. And this is a chance America's going to get to decide. We know what Donald Trump is. You could watch that whole rally yesterday and it'll tell you all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, do you want it again? We know what Joe Biden is. You can see the press conference. You can look at the special investigation that says he's diminished. But do you want it again? I mean, the one thing we need to understand is for Republicans with Donald Trump, he lost in 2018. He lost in 2020. He lost in 2022. And if you look at after the New Hampshire election, he went on this unhinged rant. And all he did was talk about revenge. Mm -hmm. And then you look, he said, anyone that supported me was barred permanently from MAGA. Then he pushed the RNC to name him the presumptive nominee. Then he lost his court case and he went on a rant again. The problem with all of that is at no point is he ever talking about the American people. All right. So that was Nikki Haley on CBS. You heard that exchange, though, where the president at a campaign rally said, where is Nikki Haley's husband? And again, I think he's playing off the report by the the Daily Mail. They came out with a piece probably a month ago that said that she had allegedly had a couple different affairs with different men. There's no question that is what the president was suggesting, not dishonoring his military service. But that is now the narrative coming out of Team Nikki that President Trump should never be allowed into a voting booth, much less the Oval Office, because he disrespects men and women who wear the uniform. Do you believe that to be true? Now, it was interesting, that reporter, I've got to give her credit. She, again, the messaging with the Nikki Haley campaign is that they are vying to be a friend of conservatives. I mean, when you're showing up and doing SNL performances, you're you're not. And they think that the media is going to carry the water for this this failing, flailing campaign. They're not going to like you, Nikki Haley, either. That is why that CBS anchor asked that extremely devious 
out of left field question, which is you're upset that the president said this about your husband. But where were you when the president said something similar about John McCain? And I'm not agreeing with this. I'm just saying this is the, the reporting and the narrative from the CBS anchor. And she stumbled all over the place because she is a walking talking head. She has to be trained for hours to come up with anything that sounds remotely candid. She got caught off guard, and that's what you heard. Uh, 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 yeah, okay. So, anyways, I will just remind everybody that's upset about President Trump saying this. This is the same guy that once called Ted Cruz's wife a two, <laughs> that suggested that Ted Cruz's father helped lead the revolution and Cuba. This is the same guy. This is how Donald Trump became a businessman in Manhattan because he's a fighter. And the second that this thing wraps up and it will wrap up very quickly because she will not be able to continue her campaign. You will watch it because it will be a flashback to 2016, 2017 where Ted Cruz and president Trump became best friends. As a matter of fact, they were together at Mar-a-Lago on Saturday evening. Kumbaya! The same thing will happen with Nikki Haley. This is how President Trump plays. This is a page right out of his playbook. So don't get your panties in a wad. It's going to be okay. President Trump still loves the country, and he still loves the troops. And they're not even paying me to say that. I just know it to my core. But we'd love to hear from you guys this morning. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show. Maybe you missed this in the craziness of a new cycle like ours. But after a year and a half, we finally have the top dog at the Memphis Shelby County Schools. We got a new superintendent. Her name is Dr. Marie Baggins. Now she comes from Detroit Public Schools. And you may find this interesting because it doesn't take much. If you go to Chalkboard, which is an education website, here's what they found about the Detroit school system. Um, They're one of the worst in the nation, according to Chalkbeat. Excuse me, I said Chalkboard. Chalkbeat. So are we surprised that Memphis Shelby County Schools would hire Detroit's public school chief of leadership and a high school as the next superintendent? Now, the question that Todd and me were posing on Friday was, why wouldn't we hire someone from a school district that's actually successful at educating children? What were the criteria for the job? Well, my next guest, who's really a friend, but a guest in this capacity, Dr. Frederick Tappan was there asking the Shelby County School Board those exact questions before, or was it after Frederick they announce who the next superintendent would be. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Ben, and good morning to everyone. No, uh, my comments were prior to the vote. Okay. We have what that sounded like. Take a listen. This is W-R-E-G, and this is on the search, and they were going through the final criteria. It was the drumroll moment. Now, you'll start, and this is for our audience out there. You'll hear Fred Tappan address the school board And then you'll hear the school board, and in this case, this is Michelle McKissick, responding to the news that we have a new superintendent. Cut 19. Tony Williams is successfully doing that job right now. 
and is doing a superlative job. A look at Dr. Fagan's resume shows she has more than a decade of experience in education. Dr. Fagan, she was so thorough in her approach looking at our district, our data. For me, that's what did it. She just really dug so deep. But also, it was just a, a matter of she's worked in uh, several large school districts. And then just when she said how she started off in Head Start. All right. So because she started off in Head Start, Fred, that is going to be our top pick. Your response. Well, uh, there's a problem with this whole process. There's a problem with the search company. And so let me address your question. And if you want me to talk about the idiosyncrasies that are, that, that are, that we deal with, with that search company, that's the first problem. But, I looked at her resume. I saw her dossier, and she was the only one who did not have experience in upper management, in upper administration. The other young lady, one of the other young ladies in the final three, she was the deputy deputy superintendent. The other young lady was, uh, she was the director, uh, she was the superintendent over academics. She, the, uh, Dr. Fagan was, I believe, was just over high school and leadership. I, I just, that just didn't equate to me to be able to run the largest school system in the state of Tennessee. Uh, the, the search firm was told by the board that each person needed at least 10 years of administrative experience. And the search company uh, told them that they would not. They told them some of them would have it and some of them wouldn't. And they continued to pay them. They mm. paid them almost $100,000 uh, for these three individuals. I just thought we could have gotten more uh, out of that. Uh, and we had people, we had qualified people right here that were not even in the top three. Can we so talk about that real quick? Um, yeah, so sure. you've got Tony Williams, who's been the interim. She was the CFO, the um, chief financial officer with the school district in her past capacity and her role. You had a press conference held by some of the Shelby County commissioners before they took that ultimate vote. Commissioner Henry Brooks, she was joined by Mikkel Lowry. Also, we had Mark White on the program Friday, you as well, all saying we have someone that knows this district very well. That would be the interim. What was their response to that? Listen at this, Ben. The reason, because she, uh, you know, they had a first top three back in, I believe it was June. Mm-hmm. They had a top three that they were going to choose from. The board decided not to choose from those three. Tony Williams was a part of that group. They said, and listen to this, this is the reason they said they didn't want the interim, because we have had two past unsuccessful interims. They did not want to go down that road again. It should have nothing to do with the relationship that the last superintendent had and that he rose from interimship. It's not where they rose from. It's the job that they are going to do. Tony has done the job. She's done the job well. She's raised those numbers. We know that the third grade literacy numbers were in the tank, and they've started to rise. She has given those individuals a new idea, a new way, and a new invigoration because it's quality leadership. The reason that they give is ridiculous just because you don't want to hire another interim. If that interim is doing the job and doing the job well, 
Well, she should be considered just like the rest of the individuals. That is a specious reason. I think that uh, our board needs to be held accountable for the way that they elected this individual. Mm. All right. Good stuff. Going to leave it there because we're coming up at the end of the break. Fred, appreciate you putting your money where your mouth is. And you were down there. You let your, your voice be heard in front of the MSCS panel. And I really appreciate that. It was a pleasant surprise watching WREG and saw, oh, that's my friend on the radio side, but doing some TV. Fred Tappen, thank you for dropping by, my friend. Thanks, Ben. God bless. All right, good stuff. On the other side of the break, going to have a conversation with our state senator, Brent Taylor, who is over the revolving door of our court system, but more importantly with the news coming out on Sunday where you had this shooting spree suspect released out of jail after being charged with associated first-degree murder. It's unbelievable. He was out on the streets. We knew who he was, and yesterday he showed the city of Memphis who he was. We'll have that conversation on the other side. Don't go away. On air at 9.90 a.m. and 106. All right, stand by because in about 10 minutes, when we wrap up the conversation we're going to have with Senator Brent Taylor, we are going to reveal the lucky winners of our Valentine's partnership giveaway with Pew's Flowers, the Nutrition Bar, Spa, Collierville, and Dinstals all week long. And last week and a little bit before that, you guys have been calling in to enter your name into a bag. The guys over there put all of those names in a container. They did the drawing and we'll reveal the results. And if you are a lucky winner in just a couple of minutes, so stand by for that. But a big story that a lot of people were alerted about, quite literally their phones blowing up, a series of shootings Sunday, the Memphis Police Department finally bringing one man into custody. Now, they're not naming this suspect, but is believed to be involved in the Sunday morning carjacking that led to three separate shootings across the city, killing one man and injuring three others. Now, here are a couple residents in Whitehaven where all of this went down in the end. They were able to capture this 20-year-old. Take a listen to this in cut number 20. We hear shooting on the regular over here. So, But for it to actually be um, an act that was committed several different remote locations that is surprising the suspect was out of jail though on a $100,000 bond for criminal attempt first degree murder and other charges leading the entire city of Memphis with a lot of angry people to ask why the hell was he back out onto the streets I know my next guest has the same exact question which has ended up in some legislation we're going to talk about State Senator Brent Taylor joining the program. First of all, good morning. Welcome back to the morning show. Good morning, Ben. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's another day, another story, right? Where we see this and we have a district attorney. We have judges like Bill Anderson that say we do not actually release violent offenders back out onto the job. We just want to know their financial status. And then we make our decision. Groups like Just City. This has to stop. Well, Ben, uh, with a bill that I have filed, uh, it will stop. This madness must stop. Uh, I've introduced a bill that will actually 
uh, elevate to the top consideration when one is considering bail, the absolute top consideration is threat to the public. That if they don't pass, if the defendant does not pass that test of whether or not they would be a, a, a danger or a threat to the community, they don't even get to the other bail considerations. Additionally, I have legislation that will uh, effectively remove a defendant's uh, financial status from consideration. In other words, it will end this ability to pay calculator that the county is currently using because clearly it is not working. When you have somebody that's been arrested for attempted first-degree murder and uh, they go before a judicial commissioner or a judge and they enter their information into an ability-to-pay calculator, and that is really the only criteria, is their ability to pay a bail. And uh, this is what we get. We get somebody who gets out, drives all over the city, absolutely terrorizing mm-hmm. Memphians, and uh, this type of policy from the restorative justice schemers are leaving in their wake a lot of dead Memphians. <sighs> Listen, I mean, there are... So many people that are culpable and complicit in this, as I see it. Someone had to sign off on that bond. Um, you've got these judicial commissioners. I want to know why they looked at this twenty-one-year-old or twenty-year-old and thought he was okay being back out onto the streets. I want the name of that judicial commissioner, and I'm opinion. You're not, so I'll say it. They should be arrested as well. But when you have the guy that oversees all of the judicial commissioners. Judge Bill Anderson, here is his take on the bail system, and is it any wonder the 20-year-old was out on the street? Take a listen in Cut 18. I detest the bail bond system in Shelby County. They don't sit in the courtroom. They don't monitor anything. They don't do anything but collect money from poor people. How do you say that? I mean, I mean, and he's being reprimanded because of a letter you sent, but that is coming from the top dog over those judicial commissioners. We hate the bail system. Look, the the entire criminal justice system is broken in Shelby County. Uh, look, we've got, I believe it's 10 criminal court judges. Um, a third of them are uh, either have been reprimanded or, or under investigation. We've got Judge Melissa Boyd, who has been reprimanded. She's been referred to the General Assembly for impeachment. Uh, Judge Anderson just received two reprimands uh, this past week. Uh, I filed a complaint against Judge Scon uh, for uh, her colluding with our district attorney to end a what they thought was an illegal uh, a sentence, uh, and they co- illegally commuted that. And that's not my term. That's the term of the appellate court that overturned her decision. I filed a complaint against her. And if she's reprimanded, that would be essentially a third wow. of our uh, judges in Shelby County that are, that are under reprimand. And then we've got uh, we've got a district attorney's office who uh, has these partnerships and these contracts and MOUs with these uh, groups like Vera Institute of uh, Justice, who does the the ability to pay calculator, by the way, mm-hmm. and then uh, Justice Innovation Lab, who have an outsized role in influencing our district attorney's office, and they have a stated goal of ending cash bail in the ju- uh, judicial system. Uh, our ju- judicial system is broken, and I intend to work with my colleagues in the Senate to bring about some sanity and try to fix it, because clearly what they're doing is not working, and we need to go back to what we know works, and that is have a law enforcement agency that arrests people, 
district attorneys that will prosecute them, judges that will hold courts and uh, have sentences and have prisons that will incarcerate people. That has worked been that Moby Dick was a minnow. This, this idea of these people who want to support restorative justice schemes, uh, that is a new concept and clearly is not working in Memphis because it is leaving a lot of dead Memphians along yeah. its path. Yeah, so when I look at the reprimand that was issued against Judge Anderson and those comments, it suggested that what he said appears that he wouldn't follow the law or cannot be impartial. And I'll read it. It's one thing for a judge to appear publicly and explain specific problems in an area of that law in which they have expertise. It's quite another for a judge to publicly declare that he or she detests the law the judge is charged with applying. That is some strong language coming by that reprimand that you got in that accountability. It was funny, though, because Judge Anderson has invoked you before. This was before this declaration was issued. So maybe two months ago, here's what he had to say about you coming after these judges. Take a listen, cut 22. Well, uh, frankly, I'm getting to... What I'm trying to do is bring to light how this system operates. If you understand how this system operates, especially the bail system, then I think you will agree with me in the end that it's a broken system. The, the bail bond system is not needed. It's a broken system. Uh, for years and years, they have functioned, and nobody's taken a look at it and, and look for alternatives. It sparked a letter from Senator Brent Taylor to the state asking for an investigation. It's never happened to me. I don't know if it's ever happened to another judge. I don't know what he hopes to accomplish, frankly. Uh, what he needs to do, in my opinion, humble opinion, is he needs to do what he was elected to do and, and what he swore an oath to do. And I'm going to do what I was elected to do and what I swore an oath to do. I ask this, wonder if Judge Anderson regrets telling you to do what you were elected to do. Because <laughs> you did. Now he's in trouble. <laughs> well, uh, Ben, first of all, um, you know, it was no secret when I campaigned for the Senate, uh, I campaigned on the fact that I would hold our district attorney and the judicial system uh, accountable. Uh, I received uh, 66% of the vote. Uh, I was elected to the Senate. And I'm doing exactly what I said I would do, and that is hold people accountable for the jobs they were elected to do. And for Judge Anderson, who is head of the Judicial Commissioner Program, uh, to say that he thinks we need to eliminate the bail system uh, in Shelby County and across the state, I've said it before. I've tried to see this from Judge Anderson's point of view, but quite frankly, I can't get my head that far up my ass to see it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a fair point, State Senator. All right, before we let you go, because you are back to work in the State House, can I ask if you've seen the troopers pulling over people along I-40? This was maybe the biggest story on Friday for a lot of our listeners on Stop Memphis Crime. And I, too, jumped on I-40, went down to my apartment downtown, and I've got to tell you, I probably saw maybe 15 to 20 state troopers pulling over these lawless drivers it was pretty what it looked like was law and order which has been long gone in this city it is and i want to thank governor lee for sending the troopers down here uh last week i had a meeting with uh matt uh with colonel matt perry who's head of the php and and i and actually in that meeting was uh 
the commissioner of safety, uh, uh, Long, was in that meeting. And what he told me was, he said, every time they've done a surge on the interstate with all these state troopers, there's not been a single interstate shooting. But as soon as the surge is over, the shootings return, which goes to show you that if you have a strong police presence, uh, that it deters crime. You know, President Reagan ended the Cold War and defeated communism uh, through a concept called peace through strength. Uh, we can end crime in Memphis through a similar policy of peace and justice through strength. Mm-hmm. If we build up the police department in large enough numbers that they themselves serve as a, as a deterrent, and if we have a justice system that works, we can we can lower this crime rate to a manageable level in Shelby County. Yeah. And I'm going to do what I can in, uh, in the legislature to do it. And again, for those who support these restorative justice schemes, I would say go sell your crazy someplace else because we're all stopped up in Memphis. <laughs> right. All right, so we're going to be following Senate Bill 2562. That, again, is the legislation filed by State Senator Brent Taylor that will require judges to consider public safety as the top priority when setting bail, not things like race or financial status. Thank you for dropping by. Appreciate all the work you're doing, and uh, we'll, we'll be rooting for you back here on this side. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. All right, good stuff. Let's go back to the phone line. Let's slip in a quick call. We've got Melanie calling in. Melanie, welcome to the morning show. What is on your mind? Good morning, Dan. I just want to thank you and uh, the KWAM family for the wonderful job that you're doing. Um, I also want to uh, send a good morning and shout out to um, State Representative Senator Brent Taylor, who is working diligently on behalf of Memphis, Whitehaven. That crime spree that happened yesterday, that was in my backyard, okay? Really? So, um the laws and the things that he's doing, we want him to know that we support him. Um, I do plan on getting him to the Whitehaven Republican Club uh, probably after the session when he's not, you know, when maybe things slow down Mm -hmm. so that he can discuss crime and the wonderful things that he's doing to try to protect the citizens of Memphis because, um, you know, until he started pushing a fight to save Memphis and save lives in Memphis, I didn't understand the judicial system, but I do have a clear understanding of it now. And um, like I said, I want to uh, give a great shout out to him, tell him how much, you know, we appreciate what he's doing. Keep up the good work because he is making a difference in safe and life. Well, that is very kind. And I know he's listening. His team is listening and we'll get that over to him. But I agree with you. The days of them getting by with all of this in the dark and the lack of transparency. Those days I can officially declare with the help of people like you, Melanie, State Senator Brent Taylor in Nashville, a local news organization like KWAM. Those days mm-hmm. are over. It's over. Uh, Time is up. Yeah. And we're on to them. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the call. We've got to take a break. More on the other side. If you would like to shout out one of your state representatives or state senators, Fighting on behalf of you, we'll do that as well. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. With Valentine's right around the corner, I want you guys to support a handful of local businesses that are really making a difference in this area. And have been kind enough to partner up with the Mighty 990 
throughout the weeks leading up to Valentine's Day. You've heard the spots, the commercials. And, you know, the neat thing about a local radio station actually being operated by a local station owner with its host. Yes, I said it's radio hosts living in the Bluff City. You have to understand a lot of these people, these guys on air, they they don't even live here. So that is why you're not going to get a lot of local programming. Um, Because our sales team is also local, we go after local businesses and they come to us. It's been incredible to see that partnership built. Which leads me to the giveaway that we've been talking about. Your chance to win one of these items. You've got 12 flowers at Pew's. You've got a $50 gift card at the Nutrition Bar or what they call NB. That is in East Memphis. A $100 gift card for Spa Collierville. Bob Hendry and his wife behind that spa over in Collierville. It's beautiful. Check out their website. And then, of course, Dinstals, which is the Best chocolates. I was hearing Todd's been talking about this on the national show, right? Because people across the country, they know Dinstals. Well, anyways, we have some lucky winners and I want to read those off. And here's what you need to know if your name is red. We have your name and your number and we will call you after to connect you with your prize. Okay. With our Pew's Flowers giveaway, want to give a big shout out to the lucky winner, John. John, congratulations on that. For the NB, the Nutrition Bar $50 gift card, Dana is going to be the recipient of that gift card. And again, big shout out to the Nutrition Bar. Now, how about that $100 gift card for Spa Collierville? Maybe a facial, some nails, a petty, a mani. That's going to Aaron, our lucky winner for the Spa Collierville $100 gift card. And then finally, taking home those box of chocolates this Valentine's Day. Susan. So congratulations to all of you guys and big thanks and shout out to all of these four businesses that have partnered with us this season and expect to do that throughout the year with more holidays. So love these people, love these businesses. If you are out and about shopping from now until the 14th, I strongly suggest, recommend you pop into one of these four stores. Tell them our friends over at KWIM said hi, you heard about them on the morning show, and that will help everybody out. Coming to the end of the show, and we could take it a couple different places. You know, I have like 20 different stories. A lot of them are about the Super Bowl. We've got some topics about the 2024 race to the Oval Office, but I did want to read through some of your comments this morning and react, and then we'll see what we can fit in. Um, So starting with Chris, he says elections have consequences, talking about the fact that we have a district attorney, judicial commissioners, and these crooked judges. You're exactly right. Unfortunately, for these 10 criminal court judges, we have about six more years of them before they're going to end back up on a 17-page ballot and we can vote their butts out of office. Dana writes this. So his bill was paid by someone. $10,000. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. She asked the following question. Who put up that kind of money? What happens now regarding the $100,000 I don't know a lot about the bail system. What well, it, it is a little bit complicated, but it's not. Um, the The bail is to make sure those defendants are showing up in court. Now, he showed up, the 20-year-old did, but it wasn't in court. It was in three different locations across the city of Memphis to shoot and kill people. Um, so talk about a broken court system. 
Carrie says, why do we have judicial commissioners? The solution is to have the state legislature change the law abolishing the judicial commissioners and allowing only judges to set the bail. Then hopefully we can take care of the bad judges at the ballot box. I think you're exactly right. You do have to put some blame on to the Shelby County Commission because it is a progressive Shelby County Commission that will be appointing these progressive judicial commissioner. So a lot of blame to go around. Bob says this about Travis Kelsey. If the guy does that to his coach, what does he do to his girlfriend? Referring to Taylor Swift and that dust up, dust up with the coach Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. In this case, Bob goes on to say, I think the answer is whatever she wants. Then also adding this about Steve Cohen, the congressman, that again, is a racist, and he was appalled that not more people were standing and putting their hand over their heart for the Black National Anthem, which does not exist. There is only one of them. Bob says Cohen can't articulate a position on any significant national or local issues, so he has to chime in and get people all spun up with his adolescent theatrics. Yeah, well, I think that the Black community is about ready to send a big old message to Steve Cohen which is, we don't want you anymore. I just feel like that's coming. Um, you can look at different people vying for that. I can imagine we could see the former mayor, Mayor Jim Strickland, gunning for that position. Also, Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris, I think he's licking his chops and viewing that District 9 congressional seat as well. <sighs> a lot more comments, and we just don't have enough time. A lot of people saying, thank you, thank you, State Senator Brent Taylor, for being the only elected representative to take any action Please run for U.S. Senate. After the current senators are out, absolutely. I think the 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 way will be paved because he's actually kept his promises. Fortunately, we do have some great federal elected officials, Marsha Blackburn and Bill Haggerty. Then a lot of people are saying, listen, Bill Anderson needs to be the one in jail. It's a great point. The judicial commissioners, the activism groups... They are complicit in this, so right along with the 20-year-old that's going behind bars, they should all be in there together. More tomorrow, starting at 